0: Hi listeners, it's Carter from ParCast. This summer, we're celebrating America's birthday with a timely new series. It's called Conspiracy Theories, CIA edition. And you can hear more about it in this exclusive clip from the first episode. If you enjoy this Spotify original from ParCast, be sure to give it a follow, free and only on Spotify. Due to the graphic nature of this episode, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of murder, drug abuse, suicide, and child abuse that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Hello, everyone. This is Carter Roy, and welcome to Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition, a Spotify original from Parcast. This year, we're celebrating America's 245th birthday. So I'll be taking you down the rabbit hole. To the place where America keeps its juiciest secrets, the archives of the Central Intelligence Agency. At Parcast, we've covered some of the most terrifying, corrupt, and completely outlandish activities of the CIA, many of which aren't just speculation. They're cold, hard facts. For the next 13 episodes, we'll uncover the agency's top-secret spy technologies, their attempted assassinations, their collusion in international affairs, even their disappearing island in the Gulf of Mexico. To kick it off, we're traveling back to the 1950s to explore an operation known as MK Ultra In a 20-year quest to perfect mind control and conjure truth serums, The CIA dosed unwitting civilians with LSD. They may have even murdered their own scientists to keep the program a secret. It sounds almost too far-fetched to believe, but even the CIA admits MKUltra was real. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode from Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from Parcast. By the end of World War II in 1945, the United States and the USSR had become allies. Their cooperation had been essential in the defeat of Nazi Germany and the Axis powers.
1: But the United States had their doubts about the Soviet nation and Joseph Stalin's tyrannical influence over his people. The U.S. was terrified that Russia's expansionism would lead to communist leadership conquering the world. At the same time,
0: The USSR harbored resentments for the U.S.'s delayed entry into the Second World War effort, a response that resulted in the deaths of millions of Russian soldiers.
1: By the time the late 1940s rolled around, both sides were extremely powerful and mutually distrusting. But neither one planned to start another war by fighting directly. Instead, they resorted to a 40-year face-off known as the Cold War.
0: So, no, they didn't drop bombs or march past enemy lines. Instead, the arms race began as the two countries advanced their atomic weaponry and swore they weren't going to use it. Each nation challenged the other in an effort to prove who was
1: the best, a contest that also extended into a race towards the moon. But back on Earth, paranoia began to simmer in Hollywood. Over 100 writers, producers, and actors were blacklisted from the film industry under suspicions that they might be communists peddling propaganda. Some were even accused of being spies.
0: And now that mindset was running rampant throughout the nation. Housewives began to worry that their neighbors were going through their trash. Businessmen were afraid they were being bugged. Everyone was certain that they, too, were being stalked by the Kremlin.
1: Civilians became certain that something even more terrifying was going on. Something dangerously out of their control. They believed the enemy had been using mind control.
0: Rumors spread about American prisoners of war returning as mindless drones now spouting communist propaganda. Newspaper headlines sensationalized the paranoia with claims like new evils seen in brainwashing and brainwashing versus Western psychiatry. Soon, people were certain these weren't just rumors. Every citizen was at risk of Soviet mind control.
1: The news gave a twisted sense of comfort to some Americans. At least now, they knew the reason for the Soviet's swift rise to power. But the question was, could they ever be stopped?
0: Then, on February 3rd, 1949, News reached the United States about a Hungarian cardinal named Josef Menzanti, who was being brought to trial. The cardinal had been arrested on sensational charges of treason, conspiracy, and other offenses against Hungary. He had been a public critic of the new communist government, but had shown no sign of being an active rebel.
1: But when the Cardinal arrived in court that February afternoon, he appeared to have been tortured and had completely changed his tune. He confessed to the outlandish charges, even admitting to trying to overthrow the Hungarian government.
0: No one could explain why the Cardinal had made the sudden 180, but the Central Intelligence Agency, who had been monitoring the case, picked up on something the public did not. They were shocked and fascinated by the way the Cardinal was acting during the trial.
1: He seemed to speak in a monotone, confessing to outlandish crimes he certainly didn't commit. Had this powerful Hungarian figure, a man of God, been brainwashed by the Soviets, despite there being zero evidence, the CIA was certain this was the case.
0: It was in 1949, shortly after the Cardinal's trial, that L. Wilson Green, director at the U.S. Army Chemical Corps, was tipped off to a series of clinical trials being done in Switzerland. Dr. Albert Hoffman, a scientist at the Sandoz Pharmaceutical Laboratories, had recently discovered a dangerous new biological material, a substance that would go on to be the quietest weapon in the entire Cold War.
1: Dr. Hoffman was experimenting with an ergot enzyme found naturally in a fungus that grows on rye and other grains. Hoffman tested the enzyme on himself in an effort to discover a cure for poor blood circulation.
0: But after consuming the test matter himself, he was overcome with a spell of dizziness Followed by, quote, an uninterrupted stream of fantastic images of extraordinary plasticity and vividness, accompanied by an intense kaleidoscope like play of colors.
1: Dr. Hoffman had inadvertently discovered the hallucinogenic drug known as LSD. Back in Washington, Green began to
0: assemble a report based on Hoffman's findings. He saw value in Hoffman's work that he thought could be brought into matters of national security. He titled that document, Psychochemical Warfare, A New Concept of War, and then pitched his proposal to other departments.
1: But Green wasn't proposing new bombs or new funding for artillery. He was suggesting that the government begin testing the newly discovered LSD, mescaline, and a series of other hallucinatory drugs. He had plans to weaponize them.
0: Ultimately, Green had the general public's best interest in mind. His report included an excerpt claiming, I am convinced that it is possible by means of the techniques of psychochemical warfare to conquer an enemy without the wholesale killing of his people and the mass destruction
1: of his property. From there, Green's proposal was passed up the chain. Everyone that read it was intrigued by the possibility, and it made it all the way to President Truman. He quickly approved it. Like everyone else, he saw potential in this program and its goals.
0: And as for those goals? Loosen some tongues, break the typical barriers of human perception, and manipulate the enemies into giving up their most clandestine
1: information. So, in 1950, the CIA was ordered to work alongside the chemists of the Special Operations Division at Fort Detrick, Maryland. While special ops had the ability to synthesize drugs, they didn't have the authority to test them. This was where the CIA came in.
0: This joint program came to be known as M.K. Naomi and had a wide scope. But for the CIA, the biggest concern was cracking the secrets to mind control. And in April of 1950, the director of the CIA... Roscoe Hillencotter decided it was time to up their game.
1: Hillencotter created a project referred to as Project Bluebird. According to Stephen Kinzer's book, Poisoner in Chief, the operation was inspired by their main objective, getting their prisoners to sing like a bird. Their primary focus was to study a variety of interrogation techniques— Mind-controlling drugs were just one part.
0: Then, in October of 1950, a new director of the CIA, General Walter Bedell Smith, took over. He appointed a former spy by the name of Alan Dulles to be his deputy director of plans and placed him at the helm of Project
1: Bluebird. Dulles, who had spent World War II stationed in Switzerland, met and became an admirer of famed psychiatrist Carl Jung. Through his research on Jung, Dulles became obsessed with ways to manipulate the psyche. So, as you can imagine, he was beyond excited to be involved in the CIA's current mind control program. Dulles's
0: fascination was perpetuated by his idea that the U.S. was falling behind in the race against the Soviets. If they were to compete with the Kremlin, then America had to toughen up, so Dulles decided to ramp up Project Bluebird even further.
1: Just outside the city of Oberuzel, Germany, the United States Army was housing a small interrogation site known as Camp King. The base was still home to dozens of Nazis and German war prisoners, which meant it was fully stocked with test subjects they could abuse in the name of science. The only problem was even Camp King wasn't
0: secret enough for the CIA to run these special interrogations, as they began calling them, so they set up a facility just outside of Camp King, where they could transport the prisoner quietly for experimentation.
1: The facility became a safe haven that maintained the secrecy of the U.S. Army, but to the prisoners, it was a death sentence.
0: Prisoners from Camp King would be injected with depressants that had hypnotic effects. At the same time, operatives would issue them potent stimulants. These drugs would attack their lungs and nervous system, resulting in seizures and loss of breath.
1: When the prisoners were at their weakest, the CIA would begin testing their variety of techniques. Hypnosis, electroshock therapy, and sensory deprivation.
0: But they weren't just trying to break these prisoners of war down. They were also trying to alter personalities, turn unwilling subjects into willing agents. If they could do this, they might be able to get the captives to hand over scientific formulas and plans. However, the CIA's over-eagerness was a problem. Their objectives were far too broad and too ambitious to produce the results they wanted. They needed to concentrate on one particular area of study.
1: Dulles saw that the project needed to focus, change their approach. Currently, the operation was lacking someone with a scientific background who understood the scope of these objectives. Someone that would help them realize whether these ambitions were even a reality. But
0: Dulles insisted that this person needed to come from outside of the CIA. There wasn't anyone who fit the bill that was already in-house. They needed a chemist, an antagonist, someone who was willing to break boundaries and take risks for the good of his nation. They had to find a civilian who was willing to ruin people's lives. Thanks for tuning in. Follow Conspiracy Theories CIA edition to finish this episode and hear more. New episodes air weekly every Thursday. Listen free only on Spotify. Hey!